Ticket Volume brings you an ITIL4 co-author, consultant, and educator with some cyber experience at Jetstar, a powerful tenure at Contus. Welcome to Ticket Volume, news and information for improving IT experiences. I'm your host, Matt Barron, and this podcast is powered by Invigate, a global leader in IT service and asset management software. As you know, every week, I chat with different IT leaders to share insights on service management, technology, and business. And this episode is no exception. But before we start, don't forget to subscribe, like, and comment. Send me your feedback. Now, let's begin. Welcome to Ticket Volume, Katrina McDermott. Thanks so much, Matt. It's weird to call you Katrina. I'm used to calling you Cat. Cat is great. I answer to most things, <laughs> but Cat is good. <laughs> and I covered a lot of stuff in your intro, but I didn't even mention, I think probably the most important part of your tenure, the latest, Humanizing IT. So you've got a new book coming out, is that right? That's correct. Looking to be formally released in about six, seven weeks. Yes. Oh, nice. Excellent. So check that out. It'll be a few weeks in the future. So that's great. I think more humans in IT, more humanization of IT is definitely a good thing. So let's talk a little bit about this. What what does humanizing IT actually mean and what does it mean to, to IT professionals? I think if we start how the book begins in that how IT began, it was a back office. We we weren't really valued. We did we were just we got the lowest real estate in a building. It was like a wall between us and the business. And I think that concept has continued, albeit mm-hmm. uh, of course with the new world of digital and DevOps, that great divide I don't think is as great. But what a lot of people do forget is that there is still a traditional IT organization running in many organizations. And as I said, the the agile and DevOps people, yep, great. But there's people like I like to say, like us, and typically of older vintage (laughs) that are working. And it's still fundamentally imperative to how companies run. Yeah, it's easy to forget service management in the day-to-day course of our projects and delivery. But man... There's not a single DevOps person out there who wouldn't appreciate more ops, more understanding of how we can make ops easier, how we can make transitions easier for ops. Just remember that there's humans involved in IT. You can't just forget us in the basement. You can't just lock us in the basement. And if I may, the book also focuses on traditionally and as you know, Matt, I'm an ITIL master author, but the framework itself and service management itself never really considered the human experience of both the people we are here to serve and the people that are serving. And we talk about in the book the history of ITIL and service management. And as you would know, ITIL was developed by the UK government to create efficiency and standardization across the government departments. And we compare it to 40, whereas Fordism was created for standardization and efficiency. And that's what ITIL did and espouses to do. But like Ford, the workers got bored and in ITIL, we we get disgruntled. We talk a lot about the service desk and how we manage tickets poorly in in a traditional environment because even ITIL 4 still says user and we create all these processes or practices as we call them now when the user contacts the service desk. So it's just one person and there's no consideration of who that person might be, where they are, their motivations, their skill set, etc. So what I really want to get the point across is that this is a 
an IT backend way of that we focus on, meaning that we get process owners and we sit there and write documents and visios and it's like, where's the humans? Yeah. Who's got in yeah. the room to help you design these processes? And, and as we discussed earlier, Matt, like a bit of controversy and we tend to follow, and even I did follow best practice. ITIL was my, it's the best. And I don't believe that best practice is best. Good point. Yes. So what's great about this podcast is we've had lots of ITIL authors on. And I would say that there's a common theme among all of them. They are open to attacking ITIL. And any good framework, you should be able to be open and transparent and attack that framework because if it holds any true value, it's going to withstand any attacks. But you've nailed it. You've nailed it on the head. When you're designing something as simple as an incident process or a problem process, getting the people involved is going to give you that perspective beyond what good practice gives you. You're subtly hinting at the fact that Good practice needs to be always questioned in order to be good. Exactly. And I find it really interesting. And when you write a book, you start looking at things very differently in that we are in the business of service. It's service Mm. management. So let's think about the word service. And it's me and I think with most of people, peers that I've worked with colleagues in the industry, I never, ever did a course on good service. I did a course on ITIL and Prince and all these wonderful things, but never ever did we do that. As I said, like quite often we hear that we have to be more customer focused, but what does that mean? And there's skills in that, but we were never taught that. So we went on all these wonderful courses, but never about the way to serve. And even the other day, and I hear this so often, we create these password resets for users to go on and do it themselves, self-serve, but they don't do it. They're lazy. They prefer to speak to someone. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that is not the reason. Have you yeah. asked them? Oh, they just want to speak to someone because it's quicker. And I'm just like, have you observed them? Have you asked them why they don't like that? I try and self-serve myself a lot of the things and I don't even understand it. What's MFA? Yeah. What's a lot of industries we work with? English is their second language. Mm-hmm. How do they know what all? So it's that... And I think in IT, we're inherently, you know, this is the best way to do it. You must follow it. Yes, those rigid constraints, you must follow our ways. I just love the point you just made because that simple act of just watching people. In user research, sometimes it's called field studies or user observation or customer observation. It is. It highlights things you would never even consider. I was on an HR portal project last year and it, They regretfully didn't want to do any user research. We did it anyway. We called up some managers and we said, okay, how are you going to use this HR portal? And the manager literally told us that no one on their team had a computer. And I was like, the whole project team was assuming everyone had access to a laptop or a computer. And that simple insight, all you have to do is ask, all you have to do is observe. And that is what being human is. And... (laughs) There's no best practice that said, go and ask your users if they have computers. That wasn't part of ITIL. That's right. Anybody would know this, Matt, that we run all these reports about tickets to the service desk, volumes and all that. And that's on the assumption that people are calling the desk. (laughs) And these days it's the third choice. It's Google it, ask a colleague and then call the desk. Bingo. (laughs) Yep. 
We're lucky when they do report that our stuff is broken, aren't we? So that's great. I love this perspective because it is a fresh take. And I think everyone in this industry is always looking for a fresh take. How can we get that next edge? How can we improve? What is the next innovation that I need to be paying attention to? I've got my in incident management process down. Our ticket volume is stagnant. We're contributing to knowledge regularly and leveraging it regularly. What is the next step? And I, I think this is actually it. How do we adapt for the messiness of people. So how did you get into it? I'm curious, like what piqued your curiosity as an ITIL author? How did you get exposed to this and where did you find it? It's an interesting story. When I was at, you mentioned I was in, in the aviation industry and when I was at Qantas Airways, I was a service designer, but a service designer in the ITIL life cycle where I was okay. writing contracts and looking and checking things, et cetera, et cetera. And a, a college in Sydney, Australia, saw my title as service designer and they thought I was a designer as in human centered designer. And they contacted mm -hmm. me and they said, I would really like you to be a trainer. And I'm like, I'd never heard of human centered design. That whole process was a, that light bulb moment where I ended up training and sitting in some courses, a lot of courses, I studied human centered design and had that, why don't we do this in IT? in service management. Why doesn't ITIL think about this? So rather than doing, as I said earlier, a Visio map, let's do a customer journey map of someone calling the service desk. And what I hear a lot is, oh, Kat, we're already doing this. And I'm like, no, you're not. What you're doing is your digital company or department are doing customer journey maps for your paying customers. But who's doing the journey maps from an IT perspective? And even journey mapping a service desk analyst and a resolver group. Bingo. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we forget. Humans, you have to empathize with us as well. And we don't. It's why are tickets sitting in a queue for six months? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're not making people excited to close a ticket that's been open for six months. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. That's such a refreshing take to have those journey maps to inquire about the agent experience as well. Because if we make the agent experience fun and enjoyable or at least not painful, then it's going to make everything improve. No, I find it of the CEOs that I've had the opportunity to do, we do boot camps in humanizing IT because big buzzwords today is about people experience and employee experience and their well-being. And when we do these consulting or, or courses, we actually, we actually unravel some really powerful pain points of employees that makes them unhappy working in IT. And then we share that information after a boot camp. And it's, as I said, it's really powerful and it's powerful that we have level one, level two, level three, even suppliers in the same room together doing these boot camps. And I get really quite emotional about it just to see people coming out of that room in such a, oh, wow, yeah. And I was going to say earlier, Matt, that a really good example is knowledge management. The process says update every three months, which sometimes that just means a full stop in a space. That's an update. I've seen that happen. Mm -hmm. But today, the younger generation, they don't read. But I still see IT people writing PDF documents and these knowledge managers are not adult learning instructors. And so no one's reading them. And it's like, so go and ask people how they like to consume knowledge today. And it's through videos, short, sweet. And, and honestly, I still see these big PDF documents. Oh, we give them to users. They're not reading them. Mm. 
Yeah, no kidding they're not, because they look at the table of contents and they get dizzy. Yeah, that same HR portal project, I kid you not, this is the same project. We realized people weren't reading the HR policy because they were looking for one answer. If it's a paid time off, how much paid time off do I get? And all we did is rewrite that to be at the very top of the article in purple, like a big box around it. You have three weeks of PTO. Done. Yep. I like that concept though, the idea of using video, of using, you said shorts, I don't know if you were referencing YouTube shorts, but YouTube shorts is a great example where your service desk could really have a good relationship with your users. Be That's a great way to promote knowledge is to just have that stuff playing all the time. I've mistakenly viewed YouTube shorts hundreds of times. That's a great way to get it out and, there and in front right. of your users. And that's as you mentioned earlier, the, the project managers or DevOps and transitioning things in, into production. Why don't they do it? Because there's this long checklist that is of little value. It is literally a checklist. Why can't they just do a video to the service desk and go, hey guys, this is what you need to know. Done. If we need the governance, you can get it transcribed automatically, you know, the, that no one will read. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one will read it. Yeah. But you have hit on something very important, though, too, is that there is trauma in these relationships, that, that there is lived trauma from this. There is going to be anxiety and emotion, the messiness of humans that we referenced earlier. And so you really do need to be prepared for that situation. Like you said, coming out of the room crying. We need to be prepared for that and work now because we're having these cathartic moments. And when was the last time you had everyone on an SLA in the same room together talking? You're, you're going to be prepared for some of that violence or some of those heated conversations. So That's right. I will say about ISIL 4 is one of the, I believe, the best things that we did was the introduction of the four dimensions of service management. Now, whether people yes. are practicing that because, you know, I go into IT organizations, oh, we've done ITIL 4, and I'm like, okay, well, you're not actually applying it because the four dimension is really think about the people and the organization and the culture and think about technology. And that's what I say to people that we do a lot of work for people installing new software tools, service management tools. And I'm like, dimension two is technology. There's so much technology out there for service management and you're still asking people to follow the process that is 40 years old. Yeah. Use technology. Like, why are you getting people to do it this way? Password resets can be done via your voice. And <laughs> but we exactly. go level one and level two, level three. It's crazy. And dimension three is your suppliers. Get people, your suppliers in the room. And again, empathize with them, humanize them. And that's what service level agreements is all about, that your supply understands your business. But again, it's just these contracts, etc. And then the last dimension, and I'm not sure if people have picked this up, but value streams and processes are last. And that's, to, to my mind, deliberate, even though they're all equal, but mm. covertly it's last because... Traditionally, we go to the processes first. We, we sit there and write a process, etc. So I say stop, look at the other three dimensions, and then go to dimension four. Ah, oh, that's great. What good insight. So you've heard it here first. Before you study ITIL 4, you should definitely listen to this episode. And I do, I really like that process last. Because once you've spoken to those people, once you empathize and once you hear from those people, then you can start designing the process. To do so before, you're not well informed enough. You don't have the inputs that you need to really build something. Absolutely. And so Matt, when you do my ITIL course, we talk about that. It's the people first and process last. And that's the way that I've perceived how it's done is that, that for that very, very reason. And it, especially with Dimension 3, your suppliers, because today we, are, we typically have a very outsourced IT organization. 
mm-hmm. just the way it is. And I say no supplier wants incidents. So get them in the room <laughs> and how can we work better together? And we do that for priority one incidents. We're very good at swarming and getting together. I think we're great at fixing. And I say, why don't we do that for priority three and four? Mm. Why don't we have a two-hour session every second Friday with our suppliers and the business and bring them into the room and get those tickets down. And, and again, ask these people in IT, why aren't they closing the tickets? As you said, it's boring or they're not doing something or there's not enough information. And, and I say, well, that ticket is like a person. There's a someone at the end of that. And it's like when you ring a bank or something, you're getting thrown from one person to another. That's the experience you're giving. And you need to take ownership and, and again, this traditional view that the service desk owns the ticket. I don't agree with that because I think it was the perception that that is level two and level three aren't customer focused. Don't let them. (laughs) I say, if they're not customer focused, well, perhaps they shouldn't be working for your organization. (laughs) Exactly. We all need to be customer focused. Correct. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. This is such a good episode, Kat. Thank you so much for being on Ticket oh, Thank Talk. you. Thank you for the opportunity to <laughs> for me to rant about my passion. Same. So I think the that is the primary feedback for my Till V4 is that some people have said that there's not enough meat. I think several people have asked me, like, where do I find incident? process? Where do I find the processes in ITIL v4? And I think a lot of people are referring them back to ITIL v3. So here's a couple of insights, Matt, for you and your listeners. Yes. (laughs) And I'm not telling this to be disparaging, but I noticed, forgive me, you said ITIL v4, so it's not a version, it is it. So it's just ITIL 4. Got it. ITIL 4. So it's a whole... The idea was it was a, a big rebrand, and so essentially there won't be an ITIL 5, ITIL 4. I often say this, we don't have Agile version 1 or Agile version 2. It's Agile. It's a framework, and it will evolve mm-hmm. as ITIL has. It's introduced new modules. I'm not sure if you're aware. There's got sustainability for digital and IT mm-hmm. and cloud, and it will continue to evolve. So it's just called ITIL 4. I like to say, give the example in Australia, where when I grew up, we used to call it Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now it's called KFC. So it's a whole, <laughs> so, same but different. So that's that. And the other thing is that I find a lot of people don't know, I might do a post on this, is that when you pass your ITIL exam, you have access to practices that are very detailed. And again, a lot of people unaware of that. And so you access my Axelos website portal and you get access to all the 34 practices that are very detailed, and I highly recommend students that have completed the course to access those as well. Oh, excellent. Yeah, those would be great. I think someone was talking about them, I think at Pink? Yeah, and they listed off all the processes and said, look, these are just things that every business does. You don't pick and choose. You're doing these processes, whether you recognize that or not. These are some practices you can use to improve your processes if you want. But really, yes and no. <laughs> yeah. So, in ITIL, or my take on ITIL 4 is that we don't implement practices or processes, we implement value streams. Mm. And in Humanizing IT, my book, that's actually the crutch of it. That's, we talk about creating a value stream. So, traditionally in IT, we implement uh, the incident management process. In fact, you're doing more than just incident management. And so the concept of a value stream is you are 
the value stream I call is issue to resolution. And when you're doing that, you're doing incident management and you would have to be doing hopefully asset management and you'd hopefully be doing knowledge management, et cetera, supplier management. If, and how I explain what our practices are is that you're right, we use them and they're like herbs and spices in your pantry. And depending on what you're doing and what value you're trying to co-create, it depends on how heavy. So if issue to resolution, instant management as a practice would be very heavy. The ingredient, you'd use a lot of that. Whereas if it's fixed on first, risk management would be you'd only need a sprinkle, if, even if you do need it at all. And knowledge management, again, we'd probably need two cups of that. <laughs> so the idea is that they're all in your pantry and you grab them as you need them, depending on the value stream. So that's a... Huh. Yeah. So I think a lot of people miss that concept in the ITIL 4 foundation course, which is a shame because that's really a big change of ITIL 4 is that don't implement practices, implement value streams because that's where we got it wrong earlier. That was very soloed. I do incident management and I'm the knowledge manager. I'm the problem manager. In fact, someone needs to sit there and put them all together. And that's what we call a value stream owner, making sure that they're all working together, being mixed correctly to get that outcome. Oh, that's fascinating. A lot of people miss that, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I haven't taken my ITIL 4 training yet. Full transparency, yeah. Mad Baron, the host of Ticket Volume, is not <laughs> ITIL 4 certified. However, I'm on my way. And I really love that idea because for so long, the process owner has been the babysitter. They're the person slapping people on the wrist. Hey, you're not paying attention. You're not doing all the steps, all the processes. Instead of being the person who's like, we're not extracting the value out of this situation, which is really what people want is the value. And it's what drives us to be passionate. You can see right now, I'm more excited about this because it's something that you can be passionate about. Getting the knowledge out of your incidents, validating asset status during an incident, all of those details working together. It makes so much more yeah. sense than having someone just sitting there exactly. watching transactions happening. And the incident manager would be meeting their KPIs and the knowledge manager would be meeting their KPIs. But as I said, you need a value stream owner that is ensuring that the right mix of these processes. And that's Katrina McDermott's interpretation of how ITIL 4 is. Yeah. You know, and it's, it is a framework. And I think in that way, it's great for doing that. But unfortunately, again, a bit of controversial. I find that companies are only investing in a foundational understanding of ITIL 4. So they miss what ITIL 4 is really about. And I'm, again, quite passionate about that. We need to go to the next level where we learn or do humanizing IT. Is, that's where we actually learn more about this concept of value stream mapping. And I like to give the example, another fast food analogy, is with value streams <laughs> and value chains. McDonald's, as a, one of their value chains, is probably the primary one, is a cheap and convenient food. Bingo. That's the value chain. So in IT service management, a value chain is issued to resolution. Restore services as quickly as possible to a great service levels. That's the value chain. But like McDonald's, you can have different value streams. Uh, McDonald's, you can have Uber, you can have drive-through, you can have eat-in, and they're all doing different activities, but getting the same outcome. And mm -hmm. with value streams, and you'd love this map, one value stream is fixed on first. Another value stream is going to a resolver group because when you go to the next one, you'll start introducing different practices 
So if for level two and three, you'll start introducing service level management and supplier management, but fixed on first, you won't. All you would need is probably about three or four practices. And the idea is to chunk value down. So when people say, oh, we're doing an initiative for incident management, that's a pretty big ask when you think about it. So I say, chunk it down, do value streams, and then you can learn from that value stream and then do the next one and next one. And so typically we'd have four to five value streams under the chain. And again, that's... Under the incident chain, specifically, incident to resolve. Yeah, correct. Or issue to resolve or however you want to phrase it. Exactly, yeah. So don't say incident management because... That's a part of it. It's a big part, yeah. but it's a part of it if there's other ones. So as I said, have owners for those value chains and streams. Oh my gosh. Kat, I feel like you should send me an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people connect with you? Where can they learn more? LinkedIn is usually my best place of contact. My website is katrinam.com.au, but I'm very active on LinkedIn and I'd like to take this opportunity to thanks to the community. We, we get great as you're we speaking earlier about great engagement on my post and that's what it's all about i learned so much from comments from people being passionate as i said it's a platform for people in our industry to to voice their concerns and their knowledge i learned so much from our community and it's great i agree yes thanks for the community thank you so much for being a part of the community and thank you for joining us on ticket volume thank you very much for the opportunity matt i've absolutely loved it thank you same And to our audience, thanks for listening to this episode. We've got a bunch more out there, so make sure to subscribe to receive an alert every time there's a new episode. You can also submit a specific topic or guest by DMing me or leaving a comment on Ticket Volume's LinkedIn page. And speaking of that, if you'd like to podcast or want to share feedback, please leave us a review. You know how the algorithms love interactions. This podcast is brought to you by Invigate, the all-in-one IT service and asset management system that helps organizations with world-class IT support teams. If you're looking for a solution to build your help desk without the headaches of year-long implementations, you'll love Invigate. In fact, IT teams from NASA, Toyota, and McDonald's use Invigate to manage requests, automate workflows, and centralize inventory data so they can focus on delivering better service. Thanks for hitting play. And I'll see you around the way.